0: You don't need special gadgets to be a hero. With unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase everywhere, the Capital One Quicksilver card makes you the hero of every purchase. Whether it's headphones, a lounge chair, or even a well-deserved massage. Whatever the Quicksilver purchase, you're the hero. No fighting bad guys, getting in epic car chases, or parachuting out of buildings required. Simple, isn't it? The Capital One Quicksilver card. What's in your wallet? Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm British Josh. There's American Chuck. (laughs) And there's neutral Switzerland Jerry. Which, by the way, now we're saying Switzerland. Switzerland? I just, just decided because it's close to the end of the year and I'm about to die of exhaustion.
0: I love it. Uh, on the uh, Friendly Fire movie podcast, Ben Harrison, you know Ben, he mm-hmm. says uh, Nazis yeah. instead of Nazis.
1: That's like kind of like, that's a, like a throwback. It's sh- like a greatest generation way of saying it. Yeah.
0: And I know he does it as an affectation. Sure. But now I got it from him and he got it from God knows where. His great grandpa. Maybe. Nazis.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty great way to say it. Because
0: there's a lot of occasion to say the word Nazi. Sure. (laughs) A
1: lot. Now that you mention it.
0: Uh, And why did you say you were British?
1: Because I, Chuck, say geodesic. (laughs) And you say...
0: Geodesic. And we just looked it up. Which, I mean, that's like the first time in years. The lady said geodesic and i was like yes i'm right <laughs> she would, or in america geodesic and i said we're both right but then she didn't say though it was british it could be like whatever south african could oh be i guess so Afrikaner.
1: I, well Afrikaner's not english
0: well yeah you know what i mean
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are so far off course already jerry's just got ramen coming through her nose she thought that was so funny um thanks for the laugh jerry Well, we are talking about geodesic-desic. Maybe we should just say that every time. Say them both. I'm sure people would love that. (laughs) I'm going to say geodesic because that's what I've always said, okay? Great. I'm going to say geodesic. That's fine. Um, (laughs) We're talking about domes, geodesic domes. And um, if you have ever seen a weird contraption of a circular house, a ball house, you might call it, (laughs) a sphere house... You've seen a geodesic dome. If you've ever been to Epcot. Sure. Um,
0: I went when I was a kid.
1: You've seen a geodesic dome. hmm They're all over the place.
0: Do you, all right, do you like these as, like, people's houses in a neighborhood or wherever? No. I don't either.
1: But, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum, you know what I'm no, saying? No, I mean,
0: when reading and researching, like, they're cool and there are a lot of, like, great advantages. Right. That, and, that we'll go over, but... Uh, I just don't care for them. Right. Aesthetically.
1: I, I don't either. And okay. actually, if you, if you um, read a quote from Buckminster Fuller, the guy who actually did invent geodesic domes, we'll get into all that anyway, he said one of the reasons they never took off is because they're weird looking.
0: Yeah. They just are. And, the, and well, I'm not going to say that.
1: I really, you tell <laughs> me later, okay?
0: Yeah, I just don't care for them, you know. It's like, it, I'm a craftsman. California Craftsman bungalow type guy, I'm which is about the opposite of a geodesic dome. It's
1: pretty angular for sure. Yeah. And the geodesic dome is angular. Everybody, put your laptops away, (laughs) geometry nerds. (laughs) Uh, But it's not rectangular, and a Craftsman is definitely rectangular. Like you can even make a case the roof is not a triangle, it's a rectangle on its side. Mm. I just made that case. How's it going?
0: Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> uh, I also, an, although I probably will never live in one, I do love a modern, uh, like a mid-century modern. That's my thing. I love it, but I just, it's not really like ultimately where I would want to live for the rest of my life.
1: Well, okay. So I don't want but to I feel like awesome. I'm like in Finland in the winter or something <laughs> like that. That's yeah. not... I'm talking mid-century American, actually built for a family mm-hmm. in like the mid '50s, early '60s. I love it. That has all little cool details and built-ins and mm-hmm. a wall that doesn't even really need to be there, <laughs> and you can see right through because it it's like wood spindles sure. and stuff. That's what I like. Yeah, me too. Not ultra modern, mid-century modern. Yeah. Okay.
0: Mid-century. Yeah. That's what we call it. In but our you house.
1: still, you don't think you could live in one of those because no, you're such I a mean, craftsman guy?
0: We'd have to get all new stuff, like. If we started over, like if our, if our God forbid, if our house burned down and we lost everything. Right. I could start over like that, but like the stuff that we have doesn't fit. Like, you know. Understood. Grandma's antique bar doesn't really go in that setting.
1: I've seen that bar and that thing is classic. Thank you. You could put it anywhere. <laughs> Grandma was a bit of a booze hound, huh?
0: Well, they didn't use it as a bar. They had like humble figurines and stuff. No. And I, I saw it. It was funny. When I first saw it, I was like. Oh, God, I don't really want that. And, like, they're giving it to us. Uh, and then we turned it to a bar, and I was like, it's amazing what 30 liquor bottles right, will do. exactly.
1: You <laughs> can really dress up a, yeah. a humble figurine cabinet. So clearly we're talking again about geodesic domes. Mm-hmm. And there was a period in time, Chuck, where you could go into some neighborhoods around the country and you could find well-to-do hippie types, environmental types, back-to-earthers, um, living in these geodesic domes. And it's not like they were living in a tent. It was their house. Yeah. It had plumbing and heating and electricity sure. and all this stuff. It's just that it was a dome.
0: Yeah, there was one near where I grew up, actually, and we <laughs> would pass it going to elementary school. And really? it was always just sort of like, yeah, there's those weirdos that built the weird house.
1: Isn't it interesting, though? Like, that had some impact on who you are today. No yeah, No matter probably. how minute or how small, but seeing that every every day or every yeah. weekday... That had to have some impact on you.
0: Yeah, and theirs was also one of those, uh, it was also partially underground even. So there was an exposed dome, but then that was sort of built into a hill. And so they were full on. They
1: had a lot of hippie cred. Yeah,
0: they were going for it. And looking back, they were probably super cool people.
1: Probably. They were wearing Birkenstocks way before (laughs) anybody else was wearing Birkenstocks. So let's talk a little bit about the first geodesic dome, a little geodesic history, okay? Okay. All right. You, you have to go way back, way, way back to 1926. And not only do we have to go back, we have to go to Germany, Jena, Germany. I, I don't know where that is. I don't either. But there is a very famous optics company called Zeiss. I do know that. Sure. Um, and Zeiss wanted to build a planetarium on top of one of their factories, their factory at Jena, Germany. And they said, uh, please build us a planetarium, Walter Bowersfield, where if if you didn't know if he was German or not, just listen to his name, Feld, Feld, even more German. <laughs> yeah, and he said, "Sure, let me think about this, and uh, I'll see what I can come up with." And he came up with what's was widely pointed to as the world's first geodesic dome.
0: Yeah, and it was a good uh, it was a good idea for this project in particular because they needed it to be light because it had to go on top of a roof. Right. Um, they needed it to hold a lot of people, and obviously because it was a planetarium that That interior roundness was kind of key mm-hmm. It'd be weird to have a square planetarium it would <laughs> you know especially if you're like <laughs> oh, i didn 't know Venus could take a corner like that <laughs> i didn't know he could do that right uh so that 's what he did and um it, it was it really worked well. it did house a lot of people, I mean not house, but you know it could hold <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> yeah. uh it can withstand storms, and this is these are some of the factors that make them uh not only popular, but uh, like a good idea depending on where you are. It like, was a, like if you're in Antarctica, right, they have them there and th- it's perfect for that kind of weather.
1: Yeah. There was a, a period in time, which we'll see in a second, where ge- geodesic domes were like the house of the future. Yeah. It was a very, very good idea that never took off because everybody said, no, we think those are kind of weird. We yeah. don't feel comfortable with that. <laughs>
2: Pretty
0: much.
1: So, um, uh. Bowersfeld's um, planetarium actually kicked off a planetarium craze. It was apparently the first planetarium on Earth, which I would make the case that you can just say the first planetarium in the universe then. <laughs> Probably so. Um, but because there were people who started to build planetariums as a result of this— Geodesic domes kind of became a thing. Yeah. But it wasn't until a guy named Richard Buckminster Fuller of Carbondale, Illinois, Yeah, very big deal. came along and actually patented the geodesic dome that they really became that house of the future thing that I was talking about.
0: Yeah, and he was a, a an engineer and a sort of a visionary thinker, one of mm-hmm. the great Americans, I think. Yeah. Um we could do a show on him altogether, I think. Agreed. But uh his whole jam was like well first of all he saw the inherent like good points to these um and and we'll get into all those but first and foremost you can you can have a huge volume of space with very little materials mm-hmm. very lightweight materials and it still be super strong right which is awesome uh but so because of this he thought like he had a higher goal in mind which was like the housing of the future like th- they don't cost that much money mm-hmm. uh they can hold you know people safely and like this is how we should think about housing, right?
1: You could you could build it offsite at a factory and deliver it by helicopter. It was yeah. that
0: light, and kind of put it together, but like a kit.
1: Yep, and like you were saying, it required because it could withstand more weight. Uh, it required less building materials, which meant it was lower cost. Um, and supposedly, you could put these things like a good kit together in a day if you were really cruising along at a good clip.
0: Sure. So um you had some, uh some high grade sixty speed. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Give it to all your friends Couple of and neighbors. Friends.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um man, you got me with that one. Uh, so so this just became plainly obvious that this is going to be the house of the future. There's um one of the other things about it is there is no other building structure that has a larger volume of space mm-hmm. with the least amount of surface area.
0: Yeah, and he got this idea through looking at nature. Uh, He very famously looked to things like crystals Mm -hmm. and seed pods and things like that and thought like, you know, nature – and a lot of people do this in design. Mm -hmm. They look to nature because nature has sort of proven to get it right usually over the years.
1: Yeah, like if you look at an eggshell, you're like, this thing shouldn't – withstand anything, and yet it does. Yeah. And it's a very curious
0: thing. But it sure looks like it could slip out of a chicken's butt with ease. Right. You Which know? is
1: kind of what it does.
0: Like, what if it was square?
1: It slips out of the cloaca. <laughs> it's true. So, um Bucky Fuller, as he's known, <laughs> he apparently, I, I don't know if he wasn't aware of Bowersfeld's design or something. Did you get that impression?
0: Mm, i don't, I couldn't tell if this was nefarious. He seemed like a good guy, so I don't think he, like stole this idea, right, but he was able to secure a patent
1: he did, and there's a really great time article if you can find it. it's called Dymaxian American Dimaxian yeah. was a word that was associated with him um he He just made up words a lot, but he it it tells it, it's from nineteen sixty four it says that he was trying to figure out a geometry of energy and he was using spheres as a model of energy, yeah. no idea. <laughs> But he was putting <laughs> spheres together, and his his idea was that when you put spheres together, they would just make a larger and larger sphere. Mm-hmm. But that's not what happened. If He took a central sphere and put other spheres around it and pushed it together, and what he found was that it started to make squares and triangles mm-hmm. rather than a larger sphere. And he figured out that what he had just come up with— was actually a very smart structure that you could take those squares and divide those into triangles. And you could take the triangles and divide the triangles into even smaller triangles. And if you kind of curve the, the edges of the triangles inward towards some imaginary center inside the sphere, yeah. you actually create a sphere. And technically, it's a polyhedron. And most geodesic domes are icosahedrons which if you play... Dungeons and Dragons is just a 20-sided die. Yeah. But the more you cut the sides mm-hmm. into smaller and smaller triangles, the the more the closer to an actual perfect sphere you you get. And that's a geodesic sphere. And if you cut it in half or cut a portion of it yeah. and just use one half of it, that's a geodesic dome.
0: Yeah, which is what you see like uh it's not fully round because it has to be flat and sit on something.
1: Right well actually um the spaceship earth geodesic dome Epcot fully? is a full sphere but sure. that is pretty rare.
0: Uh and I thought it was interesting too um that they said that if you were just designing something on paper you could just design it bigger and bigger and it would just get stronger and stronger mm-hmm. but in reality um that's really not the case like when when rubber meets the road they're really there's really only so big you can kind of get.
1: Yeah, because I had no idea about this. You know, I was f- roughly familiar with geodesic domes. I didn't know any details, but one thing that I was surprised to find is that the the triangles are not all the same size. yeah, they have to be adjusted to make this shape to make this circle or the sphere. So um if you're putting together one of these things, as we'll see, you have to be like, oh, this strut goes here, not here, and I actually put it here up on the top, and now I have to go take the whole thing apart again. And right. Yeah, the less complex, the better in practicality. But, yeah, you can really mess with it to make it virtually a, per- a perfect sphere out of triangles.
0: Uh, yeah, and you mentioned a minute ago that, and I think people that pay attention were probably like, oh, Josh is so funny. Or what did he just say? Did Buckminster Fuller uh, make up words? Yeah. He did. Because yes, he, he made up another word when it comes to these domes. Uh tensegrity. Which is not a good word. It's not. Uh he mixed two words <clears throat> together, uh tensional and integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh and so that's the relationship between the tension and compression. And that really kind of describes how these things fit together and why they end up being super strong. Even though when you look at it, you're like, man, I could blow that thing over.
1: Right. So let's let's take a break and then we'll get into like the actual dynamics going on, okay?
0: And geometry?
1: Yes. Promise?
0: Yes. Maybe you've stayed in an Airbnb before and thought to yourself, this actually seems pretty doable. Maybe my place could be an Airbnb. It could be as simple as starting with a spare room or your whole place when you're away. You could be sitting on an Airbnb and not even know it. Maybe there's a big tournament in town and lots of fans will be visiting. You could Airbnb your home or extra room and make some extra money while people are in town. Whether you could use extra money to cover some bills or for something a little more fun, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com host.
2: All
1: right, Chuck, I promised it's time to talk (laughs) geometry. How'd you do in geometry? I failed the first time aced it the second time. I'm actually really glad that I failed it because when I was forced to take it again by the man.
0: Uh-huh. And this is high school, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I, it clicked and I've never understood any field of math like I understood geometry. I don't quite remember it now, but like I understood geometry yeah. like I was Pythagoras's like brother.
0: I kind of, I wasn't quite at that level, but I feel like, cause I'm, I have long sort of poo-pooed the maths. Yeah, but you've Unfairly. retracted that, right? <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean just for as my my pea brain yeah, understand. like understanding it. Yeah. I understood geometry more than all the other math. Right. And uh, I did okay in it for a, for an English nerd. Yeah, you know. Good enough. You because didn't actually it's completely fail. different than anything else I feel like in
1: Geometry that. does seem like its own thing for it's sure. It's very much its own thing. Like yeah, there's numbers and sigma makes an appearance and stuff like that, <laughs> but it definitely seems to be it's different than algebra, I'll tell you that, buddy.
0: Shout out to Miss Carn. Read High School.
1: Oh, I wish I could remember my geometry teacher, the one it clicked with.
0: She was great. She was one of those teachers that's like, was 70 years old uh-huh. from the time that she was 28 <laughs> till the time she was 70. Yep. <laughs> she was great.
1: And then she turned back into 28.
0: Yeah. She, uh, I remember she had this polka dot. It's funny the things that you remember. She had this polka dot shirt where all the polka dots were collected at the bottom and she said that it used to be all over, but she hung it up to dry. <laughs> that was her big joke. <laughs> it's
1: a great joke. She's like, welcome to my class. It's the only joke of the year. Let's get
0: busy. Yeah, I bet you there's one person out there who had Miss Karn and knows that shirt. Yeah. I hope.
1: It's a great joke, Ms. Karn. Um, okay, so we're talking geometry, right? Yeah. Do you remember our bridges episode? Yeah. Remember when we talked about bridge trusses, the bridges that are made up of triangular mm-hmm. shapes? Mm-hmm. And we said, like, Those things are extraordinarily strong because they're triangles.
0: Yeah, man, triangles.
1: Same thing here. Can't beat them. A geodesic dome or sphere is a sphere made up of triangles. And if you actually take the triangular shape and build one, in reality, it is one of the strongest shapes you can um, create. Because wherever you press on it, it transfers that pressure, that force, to the rest of the shape. So it distributes that kind of uh, weight or pressure or force or whatever you want to lay on to, on it it distributes it evenly and if you put another triangle together with one triangle it sends it to the other triangle too and so the more triangles you add the more a force is distributed throughout it and yeah, that's, I mean, that's why, basically it that's why it's so strong like what you were saying like you look at it and you're like I could blow that over
2: mm-hmm.
1: you might be able to push it over and make it roll away if it's a sphere. <laughs> <laughs> but you you probably could not break it.
0: Yeah, and when you look at, like, if you're inside one of these, it's usually covered with, like, wood or drywall or something. Mm-hmm. So it's not as evident. But on the outside, you generally can still see this frame mm-hmm. of triangles. Right. All fitting together uh, beautifully to make something super, super strong.
1: Yes. And, and apparently the strongest version of a geodesic dome or sphere um, is one that's actually made not just out of triangles but out of pyramids. If you oh, look at if you look at the um, Epcot Spaceship Earth uh-huh. geodesic sphere, it's actually tr- s- pyramids. All the triangles are actually pyramids. oh really yeah. Huh. That is that's it. That's the money geodesic dome.
0: Yeah, and that one, since we're on that, is interesting in that uh, w- one of the downfalls, and we'll go over more later, but. One of the downfalls of geodesic domes is sometimes rain doesn't treat them well. Yeah, uh, But the one in, at Epcot was just like, we're not even going to pretend that we want to repel the rain. Right, They have little grooves that actually collect the rain mm-hmm. and that send it to one of those uh, little corny lagoons. I love those lagoons. <laughs> I know. I love everything about Epcot. I haven't been since I was in seventh grade. That's great. Is I mean, did they update it or is it still very much like... The world of tomorrow, today. No,
1: they've updated it. I mean, the whole thing is still like that. Yeah. But there's, like, newer stuff. Like, there's a really cool um, ride, an immersive ride called (laughs) Uh Soarin', where, like, you get lifted up. Uh-huh. And you're in front of this huge, giant, curved movie screen, and you're, like, so- soaring sure, yeah. through this, like, the world, like a world tour. It's really neat. And did like, they the move your smells. little thing around so you feel like you're... You definitely feel like you're soaring through there. Yeah.
0: That's like the uh, when they debuted that Back to the Future ride years ago. Was it like that? Yeah, you sit in the DeLorean and... Uh-huh. It's on hydraulics and it's like moving all around. But it's a movie screen in front of you. Yeah, and you're oh, okay. and you're going through. But it's it's amazing how like accurate they can sync that up to where you really feel like right. Like I remember there was at one point where the the car was on the edge of a cliff and it was sort of teetering mm-hmm. and it got really quiet and then it teetered over and then it the car just stopped moving. And you felt like you were falling. Wow. Just because it stopped moving. Right. And if you, like, l- turned around and looked backwards, you're like, everyone's freaking out. And you're just sitting in a car <laughs> right. do- doing nothing. <laughs> yeah.
1: But everybody's going, oh. oh it was so great.
0: Nice. I loved
1: it. So we were saying, like, this this thing pops up all over nature. Yeah. The geodesic dome did. And this Time magazine put, um, article put it really beautifully that um, it was like Buckminster Fuller had discovered... A signature of God. Whoa. This made scare quotes. Yeah. Because Around God or signature? (laughs) The whole thing. Since it is such like an efficient structure that Mm -hmm. can support a lot of weight, you do see it in things like eggs, the cornea, Mm -hmm. the testicle, which I'm like, really? I guess so. (laughs) I couldn't find that anywhere else. And I definitely typed testicle geodesic dome? Into Google, and it didn't really come back with anything, but this 1964 Time article says it, so it's so.
0: Well, the dome period is a pretty strong structure. Um, The Romans were building really big, strong domes uh, a long, long time ago, but they don't stay strong for long. Uh That's sort of one of the problems with a dome, just a regular dome is that you need a lot of super heavy supporting materials and walls right. to keep it up. And over time, they wear out. But uh, what Fuller d- did was took that sort of same principle and applied this geometry to it. Right. And these triangles that the Romans, you know, didn't think of. And the rest is history, I guess.
1: Yeah. What what he found was that when you put these spheres together, you, you created what he called a vector equilibrium. The outward force of the thing that's trying to collapse it—you mm-hmm. know, like if you if you could press down on the roof of a house, it would collapse outward to the sides. Yes. Same thing wants to happen to a ge- geodesic dome, mm-hmm. but in a geodesic dome, that pressure outward from the force of gravity makes it stronger is actually equal to the force that's being distributed around it—the yeah. circumferential force. Mm-hmm. And since they're equal in equal measures they they cancel each other out, yeah, so it's just like the thing is is gravity free
0: yeah, I mean you see you definitely see why he was like, "This is the house of the future, yeah, because they were cheap, they were strong, uh they were lightweight, and you know they distribute. Uh, like heat just blows around them because they're round. Right. Uh, they're really efficient to heat and cool. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of really great advantages to them.
1: Yeah. And so when he, I can't remember when he made his first one. I think it was at a uh, World's Fair.
0: Was, was that the, the Montreal? Was that the first one?
1: No, Montreal was 67. This one oh, would sure. have been in Moscow.
0: 54? Um, well, that's when he got his patent.
1: Yeah, I guess this would have been before then or right around the same time. But uh, in fifty nine, yeah, I guess the first one must have been Ford, the Ford plant.
0: Yeah, the Ford Motor Company wanted a covering, um, and he said, "Well, I think this is the trick." Mm-hmm. And it, he and he built it. He was like, "I can," and this is what Ford wants to hear, or any company, right? He was like, "It'll be better and cheaper, and I'll get it done faster right. than any of these other schmucks."
1: And so, bear in mind that when when Ford called them from Dearborn, Michigan that they, no one had ever come up with this before. They thought since they wanted to enclose their courtyard, the central courtyard and yeah. this rotunda that they'd built, um, that it was going to have to be a traditional dome with buttresses and supports and like heavy walls and all that. Sure. The problem was is because the courtyard was so far across, I think it was more than 30 meters, 90 feet across, um, anything that they built would probably collapse the walls of this very sturdy rotunda building. So they had a problem. And when they called Buckminster Fuller, I don't know how who got in touch with who, um, it was pretty brazen for him to say what what you said. He said that he can get this done below cost, in time, it's going to be super light. And he proved the world wrong, his doubters wrong at least, when he built the first geodesic dome over it. And it was pretty awesome. Also, we didn't mention he was a freshman high, a freshman college dropout. Yeah. Um so he's self-taught and he just came along and, and showed the world of engineering a basically a brand new type of structure an incredibly yeah elegantly uh efficient type of structure. He just showed the world it could be done.
0: Yeah, some people are just born with like a certain kind of brain.
1: That's why he deserves his own episode for sure. Yeah.
0: So uh the Ford uh dome was was great for a while. Uh, until 1962 when it was leaking. Mm -hmm. And they said, hey, this thing's leaking. We need to uh, do some repair work. So they were doing that, and they were waterproofing and weatherproofing uh, the panels. And they were using a waterproof, uh, see-through transparent waterproof sealer. Uh But to make it easier to spray, they heated it up, which makes sense. Uh, But unfortunately, those vapors ignited from a propane heater. This thing caught on fire. And uh, I get the idea that it was like... The the whole thing was done in like an hour.
1: Yeah, because they sealed a lot of it with the waterproofing, the highly flammable waterproofing stuff. So when a little bit caught, those vapors caught, the whole dome caught fire. And it was made of like aluminum and plastic. So it just went up like a match. Yeah. And they were decorating for the Christmas fantasy exhibit below in the courtyard. All that stuff caught on fire. Man. It burned the whole rotunda down. I it's imagine a huge <laughs> building.
0: there's nothing more flammable than Christmas decorations in the early 1960s. No way. In not a chance. Yeah, <laughs> it was really sad. Uh, everyone got out of there, which is good. But by the time the fire department got there, it was too late. It was toast. Uh, so so it's again, fifty foot flames. Like I can't imagine what that scene looked like.
1: And it burned the whole building down. Oh yeah, like this was actually a, a, a tourist attraction. And dear, imagine going to Dearborn, Michigan.
0: To see the Ford Dome? Yes,
1: that's what people did. I think it'd seen like 18 million visitors in like its 20 or 30 years of operation. And this this waterproofing fix burned the whole thing down Man. at Christmas time. So this, I love how this article kind of brushes over. It says, no matter, Buckminster Fuller's geodesic dome had shown that it could be done.
0: Yeah, it, it bears a little more <laughs> digging in than that.
1: <laughs> For sure. But it, it is true. Like he had shown the world... There's this thing, and we should start making them because they are efficient, cheap, affordable, and highly transportable. And apparently, next the next people to call was the military because they wanted to start using them as, like, Antarctic bases yeah. or to cover radar dishes, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, he very famously, too, in 1967 at uh, No, was this the World's Fair or yes. is this a different thing? No. They just didn't call it World's Fair, right? Yeah. The Universal Exposition in Montreal— uh, in sixty-seven, very famously, had a a two hundred foot tall dome, uh, and he was he was really trying to push the limits of what you could do. Like he he dreamed of enclosing part of Manhattan in a dome, yeah, and saying we could give you clean air and climate control, yeah, no. and it'll pay for itself over time because you won't have to use snow plows and all these other like things that cost money.
1: It seems ghastly, almost like a Burnsian type of of idea.
0: Well, it would. De- I mean there would definitely be a certain class of people that lived in that thing. Yeah, but it's I really, doubt if he'd be like, we'll do it over all of, you know, Queens.
1: Right. Well, yeah, it was lower. It was 22nd to 62nd, I think, from river to river in Manhattan. Wow. It was it was going to be huge. And he did say it could pay for itself just from snow removal, not having to do snow removal, <laughs> but imagine not having precipitation ever. I know. It's just, it's, it's wrong. There's something wrong with that, but it yeah. really captures the can-do engineering spirit of of mid-century america for sure
0: yeah i mean you can do an, a cool experiment with like a biosphere type of thing right. but you don't want manhattan covered by a dome no you know no. All, the, all the smells
1: maybe topeka or something like
0: that <laughs> and that's one of the problems is all the smells apparently like do they just fill up that dome there's nothing to stop it
1: right the, yeah the sewer gas accumulating at the top and eventually exploding yeah no good the ghostbusters running around shooting off proton packs inside that
0: thing? No good, man. It's been a while. Mhm. Since the GB ref? Mhm. Should we take a break? Mhm. All right, we'll be right back.
2: Try, 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 try,
0: Maybe you've stayed in an Airbnb before and thought to yourself, this actually seems pretty doable. Maybe my place could be an Airbnb. It could be as simple as starting with a spare room or your whole place when you're away. You could be sitting on an Airbnb and not even know it. Maybe there's a big tournament in town and lots of fans will be visiting. You could Airbnb your home or extra room and make some extra money while people are in town. Whether you could use extra money to cover some bills or for something a little more fun, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com host.
2: All
0: right, so the 60s and 70s come along. He's been doing his thing in the 50s. Yep. And this is when the uh, the counterculture and the anti-mainstream sort of vibe was hitting. And so it was sort of prime was sort of primed for these things to come into fashion. And and they did just for regular old houses. Yeah, not yeah. they didn't sweep the nation. No. But, you know, there were enough people
1: looking to for ways to very blatantly thumb their nose at the establishment. Yeah, look at my round house. Basically, yeah. <laughs> and, and and again, like it really does pr- it does provide a lot of um benefits that other ones don't, right? So like because it's a it's a sphere and it's basically one big room.
0: Yeah. Well, yes, but you can build rooms inside of it. You can, yeah. sure.
1: Um, but the, the heat and the um, well, the air distribution mm-hmm. is really efficient, so it's very cheap to heat and cool. Mm-hmm. I think the, the average number that people reported was about a 30% savings in um, energy yeah, costs. That,
0: that sounds totally made up.
1: It does, <laughs> but I saw
0: as high as 50, uh-huh.
1: and it seems like the world said, no, we'll go with 30, Sure, we'll go with the lower That end. seems believable. Um and so you've got heating and cooling efficiencies. Like you were saying, because it's round, it's not trying to stop wind, like cool wind, hot wind. When it runs into your house, yeah. if it's a rectangular house, craftsman, mid-century modern, who cares? It, it runs into it and it's going to... Transfer heat or cold into your house.
0: Yeah, in my and, case, right through my windows.
1: And okay, well, yeah, it's a great, great example. The thing is, is you don't want that heat or that cool in there usually, so you're going to have to spend a lot of money to artificially pump it out, right? Yeah, through AC. Um, with with a geodesic dome, the the wind kind of just moves around it. It's yeah. super aerodynamic. So it's not just running into this flat surface and trying to go through. It's just like, yeah, excuse me, I'll just go around.
0: Yeah, and that's why they're great in Antarctica. Um They can withstand whatever kind of weather they throw. They, yeah. Antarctica, it's right. a they. Yeah. The uh, penguins. <laughs> and I have seen some of these at the beach. Um Again, they're not like the, the coolest <clears throat> looking beach house. Mm-hmm. But you see them, you know, you'll see like, Quaint old beach house, Cape Cod, Geodesic Dome. Yeah. And then like McMansion. And I imagine they do very well at the beach.
1: Yeah, because after a hurricane, if a hurricane is bad enough, you see empty lot, empty lot, Geodesic Dome, <laughs> empty <laughs> lot. Yeah. And apparently that's, that's, it's anecdotal, but that's the, been reported that Geodesic domes can make it through substantial hurricanes when the rest sure. of the houses around it did not.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Um, some of the disadvantages is like we were joking about the smell. But it's really true. Smell and sound, if you've just got a big globe that you're inside, mm-hmm. are really going to move around. Uh, there's not a ton of privacy, even mm-hmm. though you can build out, sort of like living in a loft, you know, you can build out rooms. Right. But if your rooms don't have a ceiling, although I guess you could do that too. You could, but then you're like, well, you know. Like, why am I even in a dome? Right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, light as well. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a big one. Yeah, You know,
1: like the little light on your router that's like really bright at night? Oh, God. Imagine that just being distributed throughout your entire house. Yeah, no good. No, that's not a good one. Plus, I mean, if you look at any piece of furniture that's ever been created in the history of humanity, it's all meant for rectangular structures.
0: Yeah, unless it's some sort of custom piece for a geodesic dome. Which is very expensive. Yeah, you have to get all this stuff made yourself, and the same goes true for... Uh, like the the construction world is set up for square. right? Uh, so fixtures and, and plumbing and pipes and yeah. all that stuff has to be sort of uh, – And contractors get scared away from these things. Oh,
1: yeah. They won't come near it.
0: Yeah. Unless you're just a specialist.
1: Sure. And you're probably like the highest paid contractor in the world. Yes. Who works like once a year. Yes. Um, but those same disadvantages are also advantages, right? Like you have a lot more floor space –
0: yeah, but sometimes it's wasted. It can be. Like if you've got a a big, long couch, you've got a bunch of space behind it that's just sitting there, a yeah. little a little semicircle behind that's you.
1: It. That's why a lot of, and I think this is the reason why I'm not super hip on geodesic domes, is um, a lot of the stuff is just kind of out in the center of the room. Right, right. And it looks adrift or unanchored. That's a good thing about a wall or a corner or something like that. It provides a, a visual anchor. Mm-hmm. To your stuff.
0: No one can sneak up on you.
1: No, that's another maybe that's why I don't like it. I'm like, what's what's behind me? Do you like your Is back against
0: wolf? the wall in a restaurant?
1: No, I don't care about that. Oh man. Do you? Yeah. Really? Are
0: you afraid you're gonna eat what are you a gangster or something? No, I don't think I'm gonna get whacked. It's just uh I, I just feel exposed. And Emily is very sweet. She's usually like, go ahead and take the seat. But lately she's been like, no, that's mine. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Wow, what'd you do? Nothing, man. It's just Uh the time we're living in. She's she's doing it. (laughs) (laughs) So do you sit there and like turn around every time somebody comes in? The waiter comes in and I punch him. I turn around and punch him. Don't touch my stuff. Uh, Rain. We talked about rain. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be problematic. Yeah. Uh, And it says in here that flat roofs are the best. What they mean are flat roofs at an angle. Okay. Right. Because a truly f- flat roof this is the worst. Is not good. Frank L- Lloyd Wright uh, did a bunch of those and mm-hmm. they were his his houses were could be very problematic. Uh he had the yeah. very famous exchange. I can't remember the the person, but uh it was some very very wealthy, sort of noteworthy person. Uh-huh. Frank Lloyd Wright built him a house and he called and complained and said the water is is now dripping onto my desk, mm-hmm. and supposedly Frank Lloyd Wright said, "Move the desk."
1: <laughs> that sounds like Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> I don't know if that's a true story, but I guarantee I love it. it's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so with with the with the shingled roof, even with the flat roof, like a flat roof is not moving water, but it's probably not coming down. There's not as many places for it to come down. With a geodesic dome, every place where you're Struts the sides of the triangle come mm-hmm. together at an angle at the nodes mm-hmm. there is a point where water can get in, and actually it can get in along where one triangle goes into another. There's a lot of places for water to penetrate the yeah. geodesic dome. It's a water nightmare, yeah, from what I can tell.
0: well, it's put together from a lot of little panels
1: yeah so let's let's just really briefly say that, so one of the things one of the reasons why people were crazy for geodesic domes is you could put them together, like we said, in a
0: day. Yeah, you can get a color-coded kit. Mm-hmm. You still can. Yeah. And there are companies out there that will send them to you, and you can get your friends, right. get some good 60 speed, and uh, a case of beer or two, right. and build your house in a couple of days.
1: Yeah, and not sleep the entire time. That's right. Um, so when you when you put these things together, you're, you're building the structure, and then you're coding the structure. It can be uh, one kit I saw. It's like greenhouse. It's a really great greenhouse. Mm, I bet. If you've ever been on a jungle gym that was built after the sixties, oh, you know yeah. those dome ones? They're the best. It's a geodesic dome. Yeah. Um but what the structure can be made from like a hollow tubing, ply or um, two by fours, mm-hmm. whatever. It can be wood, it can be whatever. And then usually the, the outside the triangles that fill in over the structure are concrete or plastic or plywood or something like that. Yeah. And then you want to coat it. But all of those different seals, or those different seams, they're all just water heaven. Yeah. Um, Which is, again, a big problem. Probably probably problem number one, practically speaking.
0: Yeah, it's interesting now that I think about it. It's sort of how tent design has gone over the years. Tents used to be just like camping tents, just like triangles, Mm -hmm. uh, like a pup tent. And then the big dome tents came into fashion. And then... I think the secret was to try and make dome tents with as few seams as possible. Yeah. Because that's where your water gets in.
1: Yeah. And as few poles, too. Yeah. Just a couple of, and then maybe a, and then, there you go, you got your tent. (laughs) You could be a tent designer. (laughs) Yeah, I want to go ahead and trademark what I just said, okay?
0: Uh, should we talk about some famous domes? I think we should. Because that's always the best part.
1: There's the Expo 67 one. That, by the way, burned as well. Oh, really? The structure is it not there stayed. Anymore? No, the structure stayed. They turned it into a biosphere in the 90s, I
0: believe. Oh, so uh, Brendan Fraser lives in there. <laughs> and Polly Shore, <laughs> And Stephen Baldwin? Sure. Man, alive. That's where he's been. Uh, there is the, and these to me, like if you look up the, Uh, How do you pronounce the one in Japan? The
1: Fukuoka Yahoo Oku Dome.
0: Oh, is that the full name?
1: Yahoo Oku with an exclamation point because Yahoo...
0: Is that the sponsor? Got the naming (laughs) rights. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a baseball stadium, but when you look at these, like, I don't... Like, to me, I think of Epcot. When when you look at this baseball stadium, it doesn't feel... I mean, it is a geodesic dome, but it just doesn't feel like that kind of futuristic, like highly paneled, triangular thing.
1: Well, what's cool about it is the the dome part actually retracts.
0: Yeah, retractable in, roof.
1: In like 20 minutes. And the reason it retracts so quickly is because it's so lightweight, comparatively speaking. Yeah. So it's pretty sweet.
0: There's I, the Tacoma dome.
1: It. Yeah, which is a wood dome that just does not sound sturdy to me.
0: Yeah, what was it? Oh, our skyscrapers episode. Yeah, I that was remember. that that new wood skyscraper mm-hmm. somewhere. Uh, why do I want to say like Nebraska? I thought that was Japan too. Oh, was it? I think so. <laughs> it's one of the two, right? <laughs> it's easy to get them confused. Osaka, Nebraska. Right, they sound alike. Yeah. Uh, the, the Tacoma Dome is where the the Sonics used to play. They're um, like Kevin Durant's gonna love this. <laughs> oh man, so sad. Uh. I wonder uh, when a team leaves. I've always wondered if they just because I know, like when the Browns left and became the Ravens. You know, my stepfather was like, they were just dead to me. Wait, what? Yeah, that's where the Ravens came from. They were the Cleveland Browns. Where the Browns? The Browns aren't playing still. No, no, no. They they the Browns had no. There were no Browns for years. Okay. And then they came back and said, "We'll give you a team again, Cleveland, and you can be the Browns again." Gotcha. But he Art Modell literally famously packed up in the middle of the night, like there are footage of eighteen wheeler trucks wow. at like two a.m. like hauling stuff. Yeah, out you of don't want to leave Cleveland. Ask LeBron. But they were dead to him after that, and I always wonder like if the Falcons left Atlanta and went to Birmingham, uh-huh. they'd still be the same guys. I'd, I, I would, I wouldn't be like, no,
1: screw that team. No, that's definitely how I went with uh, the Sonics for sure. Yeah, they Seattle were just, was not very happy about no, that. They weren't not. I don't but blame them. supposedly they're going to get another team. One of the Microsoft founders, I guess Wozniak is talking about bringing them. Bringing oh, no, really? Somebody from Microsoft is going to bring a team, they're saying.
0: What was it, Paul Allen? I don't think so. He just passed away though, right?
1: Maybe it was Paul Allen. Oh. I mean, he
0: owned the Sonics, I think. But he was from Microsoft? I'm just getting all confused now. No, I think he yeah, right, Yeah, Paul Allen though. was Bill Gates' partner. He died? Yeah, I think he died kind of in the last, like, six months.
1: Oh, well, maybe Seattle's not getting a basketball team. I'm not sure. Okay.
0: Where did they go? Oh, Oklahoma City, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so confusing, everyone, for two half-sports guys <laughs> like us. We don't even make a full sports guy. Who's your team this season? Well, I always root for the Hawks, but it's just they're a wasteland. <laughs> it's pretty bad. So I don't even care.
1: Yeah. Who does Schroeder play for now?
0: Oklahoma, is it, is it he the plays Nuggets? for Oklahoma City.
1: Does he? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was a different Western team. You like LeBron <laughs> in, in L.A.
0: Sure, we should have a sports show called the worst sports show on the on, <laughs> we on the web.
1: Kind of, this is a, a trailer for it.
0: Uh, what about the Eden Project? That the, that one's pretty cool. And aren't there two of these? And there one in China as well.
1: I think they're going to open one in China. I think there's a third one they're opening. But the one that the original ones in Corn Cornwall, or, I'm sorry, Canal, Cornhole <laughs> in in the UK. <laughs> God knows how you pronounce that. I'll guarantee it's not Cornwall. It's
0: probably Cornwall.
1: Maybe. Um,
0: this one's really cool, though. This is one where you look it up and you're like, this is what you should be doing right. within geodesic dome-like uh, mm-hmm. experimentation.
1: They build a diome or a biome. Yeah. That's one of the points of a geodesic dome is you can— create a different climate mm-hmm. inside a larger climate. It's a bubble. You're creating a climate bubble. Yeah. That, that's what the Eden Project did, at least. And they have two of them. They've got a tropical biome and then a smaller Mediterranean biome. So cool. And they're just beautiful. Lots of amazing plants and waterfalls and just great stuff. Apparently, it's a wonderful tourist attraction. I yeah, would go next I totally time. would. I think there's also a witchcraft museum in Cornwall that I want to go to.
0: Let's do it, man.
1: All right. We're going road trip. Yeah, we got to do a UK tour again.
0: Yeah, that was awesome. And then
1: we'll detour off to Cornwall.
0: Maybe do a show there. How many people are there?
1: I don't, Cornwall. Let us know if we should do a show
0: there. Let's do a live show inside the tropical biome. Oh, That'd be cool. I wonder if we could set that up.
1: We could also do one at Epcot too.
0: And we'll that, do a and we'll thing? do a, a geodesic <laughs> dome tour. Can we do one inside of the the castle in the we, Magic Kingdom? We can ask. <laughs> You have connections there, right?
1: Yeah, our friend Brandon. That's right. Who built my site, the com.
0: I know. I'm going to have to get in touch with him as uh, my kid gets older. I have to finally drag Emily down there.
1: He will happily help you out. He's yeah. a
0: great guy. He helped my brother out.
1: Oh, and by the way, I'm glad you brought that up. Congratulations to Brandon and Katie on the birth of their first ever child. Oh, wow. Yes, Cooper.
0: Born into Disney royalty. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty great. Congrats, dudes. I wonder if Cooper's going to go up and just be like, eh. Take it or leave it. I go like twice a week.
1: Right. This isn't Euro Disney. <laughs> I wish it was Euro Disney. Uh,
0: well, that is Spaceship Earth, of course, is the one we're talking about there that we mentioned. 180 feet tall, uh, silver geosphere, uh, very much the central sort of shining star of Epcot.
1: That's what everybody thinks of with Epcot.
0: Yep. It's on every shirt. Well, not every shirt, but...
1: 98%. 98%.
0: Did you know that Epcot is an acronym, Chuck? I did, but I, I remembered that from when I was a kid, but mm-hmm. I can't remember now. What is it?
1: Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. That's right. And the the name of the geodesic dome is actually called Spaceship Earth. <laughs> and it was directly influenced by Bucky Fuller. Um, Walt Disney was a big futurist. That's why there's like Tomorrowland and all that stuff. Yeah. And why there's Epcot in, in general. Um, but not only did he inspire Spaceship Earth, the name Spaceship Earth comes from a Bucky Fuller essay kind of a novella called an operating manual for spaceship earth and you can find the pdf for free on the web and get a pretty good idea of bucky fuller's whole jam
0: you know what i heard i heard that that very famous walt disney signature mm-hmm. is not his signature and I, that I like believe that. a cartoonist designer came up with that it's for just him.
1: too perfect <laughs> i could totally see that yeah I'm not. I'm not affected by that. I'm okay with it.
0: Oh, really? He's not a, just a big fraud now in your mind, <laughs> basically.
1: I let him off the hook. Uh, if you want to know more about geodesic domes, go make friends with a hippie. And since I said that, it's time for listener mail.
0: Uh, I'm going to call uh, one of our new young fans. We got a very sweet email from uh, Veronica. Uh, hey guys, I'm Veronica, 15 years old, and I'm from Indianapolis. Indiana. I just heard about Sarah, the 13-year-old super fan. Mm -hmm. Who's like 50 now. Yeah, Sarah's, she's Miss Karn. Um, And I too am a super fan. I started listening when I was 9 or 10 uh, with my mom every once in a while. Then I got an iPod and started listening to you regularly when I was 11. Uh, I love listening to the show when I'm getting ready in the morning and I'm going to school or going to sleep before bed. Every time you guys do a tour announcement, I always hope you're going to say somewhere close, like within two hours of Indianapolis but I don't think that has ever happened.
1: Dude, Cleveland is not that far from Indianapolis.
0: (laughs) I took a break from podcasts for about two months, but I missed listening to them, so I came back, and now I'm back uh, regularly again. I just want to stop in and say hi. If I'm lucky, I'll make it to the podcast, but I don't expect it. Uh, Just keep being (laughs) you guys, because I love to learn about the four different types of cat hair, the fact that cinnamon is a type of tree bark, Mm -hmm. perfume is made from whale vomit, and urosol is what makes poison ivy so itchy. Wow. Uh, My mom really likes your beard, Chuck, and she hopes that someone gifts you some beard lights for Christmas. Oh, I saw those. If you don't know what they are, they're just little ornaments that you hang in your beard. Have you seen them? And they light up super festive. Do you want some? No. Okay. I cut most of my beard off. I
1: just noticed that. It looks very trim.
0: This is sort of like the old days. Looks nice. Uh, and that is, she put signed sign to Veronica, which is adorable. Thank you, Veronica. So, Veronica, uh, I think we should, we, we're trying to hit the major cities we've never been to eventually. Right. I think we might want to put Indianapolis on the list for 2019. Oh, boy. And, uh, and give Indiana some love. Okay, fine. Because this year, we were like, Man, I don't know, Salt Lake City, Phoenix? And they were great.
1: It's true. Well, to be honest, Salt Lake City came out for
0: us. they time. They
1: email us. They're like, yes, please come. We got such an overwhelming response yeah. that we're like, how could we say no?
0: So we should go to Indianapolis. I told her if we do, then we'll, we'll put her and mom on the guest list. That is very nice. Yeah. Okay. They have a dome it, there. It is
1: settled. We could, we could go do
0: a show there where the Colts play. We could. <laughs> is it the Colts? What do they play? Soccer? Yeah, but they came from Baltimore. who then became the Ravens. It's just so weird. Is Everyone's all right? moving all over the place.
1: Who's the great leader of um, uh, the Pacers now? Victor, um,
0: the great leader. Yeah. <laughs> Who yeah, is you know, the great leader? Kim
1: Jong, Victor, uh,
0: I don't know their coach.
1: No, no. He's like their player? captain, but yeah, he's a player. I don't know. Ron Artest Victor. What year oh, is this? Man, right now. Victor Borgia. Yes. Victor Borgia is now. Anyway, we're going to list him too. Once I remember his last name, cause he's Victor an Victoria great player. Uh, if you want to know, well, I already said that if you want to get in touch with us, You can go to stuffyoushouldknow.com and you will find all of our social links there. I don't know if I said it or not already, but I got a website too. It's called thejoshclarkway.com. And you can always send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com.
2: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.
1: You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you'll have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply.